Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 986, and we're looking at Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Let's read our passage. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what massive stones, what impressive buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when these things will happen, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Jesus told them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place. But it is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark's given us this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus. And he began with the Galilean ministry. Jesus traveling through Galilee, teaching and healing. We had a brief Gentile ministry, then the journey to Jerusalem. Now they're finally at Jerusalem. And this begins the final week of Jesus' life. Began on Sunday, Palm Sunday, with a triumphal entry. Then each night they leave Jerusalem and go back to Bethany to spend the night. Monday morning, as they were heading into Jerusalem, they came upon the fig tree that had no fruit. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Then they entered the town, went to the temple area, and Jesus chased out those people who were buying and selling things. Then Tuesday morning, as they were coming into Jerusalem, they passed the fig tree that Jesus had cursed. It was withered, which led to some teaching about prayer. Then they went to the temple, and he was challenged by the religious authorities. They wanted to know what authority he had to do these things. He responded with the parable of the wicked tenants. Then he was challenged by a group of Pharisees and Herodians. They asked him a question about taxes. Then he was challenged by a group of Sadducees. They wanted to challenge him about marriage and the resurrection. Then he actually had a legitimate question from a scribe who wanted to know about the greatest commandment. Then he had some teaching about the Messiah as the son of David, warning about scribes, and then we saw the event with the widow's offering. That brings to close their time in the temple area. And now it's sometime late, still Tuesday, and they're leaving the temple. It's important to note that chapter 13 is all one extended teaching segment. Now when we looked at Matthew's gospel, we saw these five big discourses, extended teaching segments. We've really only got two in Mark. One was in chapter 4, was a series of parables. But the biggest and the most important is chapter 13, which is one long discourse about end times. It's often called the Olivet Discourse because it occurs on the Mount of Olives. Sometimes it's called the Prophetic Discourse because it's about future events. Some call it the Eschatological Discourse. Eschatology is the study of end times. And some even give it the title, The Little Apocalypse. So let's dive into it. Starting in chapter 13, verse 1. 
As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what massive stones, what impressive buildings. Well, apparently the temple was quite the impressive place. It had been rebuilt by King Herod and expanded on, enlarged. And the Jewish historian Josephus said some of the stones measured like 37 feet by 12 feet by 18 feet. Think about that. One stone, 37 feet by 12 feet by 18 feet. These are humongous stones. And so it was quite the impressive place. So they're walking out of the temple and the disciples say, this is an impressive place. Verse 2. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And that actually does happen in A.D. 70. There's a Jewish rebellion that begins in year 66. goes on for a few years until Rome finally puts it down. And in the year 70, they burn the temple. And after it's burned, they start smashing it and pulling down the various stones. So it is completely destroyed in A.D. 70. Verse 3, while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple. Pause there. You leave the city of Jerusalem, go out and cross the Kidron Valley and go up on the side of the Mount of Olives to overlook the city. So apparently they're on a vantage point on the side of the Mount of Olives, which is actually a little higher than the city of Jerusalem, looking down at the temple area. So he was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when these things happen, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? So the four apostles here, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, These are the ones Jesus called the first four that Mark talks about back in chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. But it's also the three close ones, Peter, James, and John, but also Peter's brother. So does that have to do with these are the first, the ones who've been with them the longest? Does it have to do with this is the inner three plus Peter's brother? Don't know why it's these particular ones but they asked him privately. And there's two questions. When are these things going to happen? And what's going to be the sign that these things are about to happen? Now, a question is, what exactly are they asking? Are they asking about the destruction of the temple? Or are they asking about the end times? Or are they asking about both? Just from the immediate context, it would seem they're asking about the destruction of the temple. And so the question is, then, what question is Jesus actually answering in this discourse? Is he answering about the destruction of the temple? Or is he answering about the end of the world, the end of the age? There's there's a lot of disagreement on this. A lot of people had outlined it in different ways. A, A simple way to look at this is verses 1 through 23 are about the destruction of the temple and then verses 24 through 27 are about the end of time and then verses 28 to 30 kind of duly point back to both those it's a simple way to look at it and it's probably okay but it tends to get into trouble when you're looking at the details of each individual verse 
So he's probably really talking about both things. Now, what are the disciples actually asking? I suspect they're asking just about the destruction of the temple. But Jesus is giving basically a dual fulfillment answer. He's answering some things about the destruction of the temple, but he's also going way beyond it, talking about the end of the age, his second return. Verse 5, Jesus told them, watch out that no one deceives you. This is a frequent thing we see in here, this idea of watch out. So the charge to watch out or be on guard is in verse 5, verse 9, verse 23, verse 33, verse 37. So there's several times this admonition to be careful, watch out. So obviously the concern is there is a danger of deception. And that's something we always have to be careful about. Are we being deceived about things? Deceived by what people are telling us? Deceived by what we're even trying to put together ourselves? Be careful. Watch out. Be on guard. Don't be deceived. Verse 6, many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will deceive many. So there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be people coming claiming to be Jesus. He says, don't be deceived by them. There's going to be a lot of other people deceiving others. They may not be claiming to be Jesus, but they're going to claim to have special knowledge. They're going to be teaching things that are in error. So there's always this danger of people stepping in, deceiving many. Verse 7, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place, but it is not yet the end. So is he talking about the end of the temple? or the end of time. I think he's talking about both. There's going to be wars and rumor of wars leading up to the destruction of the temple. But it's all just leading up to it. But then there's always going to be wars and rumors of wars. And many people want to say, as it seems like the world's about to burn itself up in war, this must be the end of time. And she's, no, these things happen. Verse 8, for nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. So there's always going to be things happening. Wars, famine, earthquakes, things going on. And we can't judge the end of time based on these. These are just the beginning of what's happening. So as we go through this narrative, this teaching, this discourse, I have to step back and say, what's it all about? He's teaching about end times from our perspective. He's teaching initially for them also, and their big concern is the destruction of the temple. And in their minds, it's probably the same thing. The destruction of the temple, the end of time, that would be one and the same. We recognize the temple got destroyed well. Most of the people there were still alive. But as far as the end of time, that's still coming. So from our perspective, it's about the end of time. But the purpose for both is it's to provide assurance about the true identity of Jesus and his return. It's not to provide details. It's to provide assurance. It's to promote faithfulness in the present. 
And it warns against this fascination about end times. Also warns about the skepticism about end times. So we have to be balanced. We've got to be careful that we don't get too caught up in end times. But we also got to be careful we don't forget that end times are coming. And we do have this future reality which will be here. So back to the purpose is to provide some assurance for us to live, to follow. There are 19 imperatives. Imperatives are command verbs, and there's 19 of them in this discourse. So, obviously, there's some things we're supposed to be doing, and the things we're supposed to be doing are being about living here and now, representing Jesus here and now, being watchful for his return, but not getting fanatic about it. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.